0: Yeah, uh, it's the mafia. Yeah, he's a monkey with symbols in his hands instead yeah, of just bad. catching the and it that's. This.
1: They're giving us like a 24-hour go feed. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's a Bill City. It's a yeah, a Buffalo Bill City. Uh, yeah. I know they mentioned something about an ultrasound to check the nerve endings and everything else. Hopefully, he's not pregnant. That would that would be a disaster.
0: I hear that's a nine month timeline to recover from at the minimum, is what I've
1: heard. Yeah. Ike McKenzie on a jet sweep. Maybe it's a fake. Honestly, it's a TD either way. When you got Josh Allen making plays, win a bow before we get a new stadium. Who Someone's making a... a new Twitter at some point. Maybe we should do that. yeah Honestly, I'll just start a shared Google
0: Doc. And that's that's that'll be that'll that's be our Twitter. new Twitter. That'll be our new Twitter. <laughs> just people.
1: People just adding shit in.
0: Anonymous hedgehog is saying fuck your mom. Like This is our
1: team forever. It is forever. Forever.
0: Folks, welcome into a brand new episode of the Crowds' podcast presented by Trainwreck Sports. Wake here with my partner in crime, Jake Mudka, as always, and very special guest, former offensive lineman for the Bills, spent eight years in the league, first two with the Texans before playing his last six with the Bills. Correct me if I'm wrong, John Davis, former Bills offensive lineman. John, thank you for being here. Uh, how is, I guess, the off season treating you? It's a in, less than a week into it. We can call this the offseason. There's not real football going on anymore, right?
2: No, not anymore. And I will make a correction. I played for the Oilers.
0: The Oilers?
2: Not the, 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 old, the, the old Oilers. Um, Man. You know, I, uh, the off season obviously started off really crappy. Uh, uh, you know, it's, I, I haven't watched football in the NFL for a long time. And then three or four years ago, I caught a Bills game, and uh, they were playing well, and kind of kept up with them because we don't get a lot of games down here, and I'm not going to go and spend three hundred dollars at a bar to Mm -hmm. watch them play. So, yeah, uh, where where
0: are you living right now?
2: I'm I'm right outside of Atlanta, just out. We got what they call the perimeter to I two eighty five, and I live uh, five minutes outside the perimeter, about twenty five minutes from downtown, so a little suburb, and uh, but. as as the as they started getting better and better, um, I started getting more and more invested and uh, started started caring a little bit more and more. And then uh, I did not feel good Sunday. I was uh, my wife uh, was with me, and we were going to sit down and watch it together. And I said, "Yeah, I just got a sour taste in my mouth about this game." And yeah. uh, and I could just tell when they came out. You know, even even and this is not an indictment on the fans, but even on TV, you know, when the bills are loud, you can hear them, uh, the fans yeah. and, and the last two weeks that it just hadn't been there. And, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it, it's a long season. I, I know the guys went through a lot. Uh, every team goes through a lot. Uh, but I just was, um, uh, I honestly, I was just disappointed with the overall effort. I, you know, I, I love the bills. Uh, Ralph Wilson and I had a wonderful relationship with each other. And I guess that's why I kind of, you know, have that soft space and my uh, soft spot in my heart because of Ralph. But uh, i tell you, Sunday was hard. I just, uh, it's just hard to, I, I just don't get over it like I used to. <laughs>
0: yeah, see, see, that's funny you say that because that this was probably as a fan perspective and I don't, obviously don't know what it's like to play in the league. I am five, seven and 140 pounds soaking wet. So I never stood a chance. Um, But uh, well, if Isaiah McKenzie can, maybe I can. But uh, I, for the first time, like in the last three or four years, like I remember after 13 seconds, I was watching with my girlfriend's dad and he's Jets fan was patting me on the back, consoling me, like, I'm so sorry. I wouldn't wish this upon anyone except the Patriots fan. (laughs) Um, But – and then, you know, years passed. I was at the Houston game. That was a terrible one to be at in person, not going to lie. But last week, it took me maybe 10 minutes, and I was like, yeah, I guess I saw this one coming, actually, kind of. Like, it it, it was a weird spot to be in. And you bring up all the things they went through this season – is emotion, how real is emotional fatigue in the NFL or in professional sports in general? Because I can't remember a, 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 an organization going through so much in one calendar year like the Bills did.
2: So, so I'll, I'll explain that to you. And that's a good point that you made about the emotional fatigue. What they went through this year, obviously you wouldn't want to you know, put on anybody. I mean, it was horrendous. You lose Van Von Miller. You're going to lose guys. Josh Allen gets hurt. you a couple of offensive linemen get hurt. Jordan Poirier gets hurt. <clears throat> guys, when you have a guy die on the field, that kind of changes everything. Uh, and uh, uh, I say die, but in the, you know, they resuscitated him and stuff. Yeah. So I don't but in that
1: ball. moment, that's what they're all like. It's all running through their heads. It's yeah, you know,
2: yeah. The, the, you lose all your emotions. And the only way that I can say uh, emotionally uh, anything equal to that, and it's really not, is that we went through four straight years of that, uh, the Super Bowl run of losing. And emotionally, I don't care what anybody else says, it takes a huge toll on you. And I guarantee you, I think there, were, I counted 26 or 27 of us that went to all four Super Bowls. And I think if you ask every one of them, they would all say the same thing. And one day when we were settling down uh, in our house now, we've been here for 15 plus years. I took out every, each Super Bowl picture we have. And, and my wife, uh, I think my wife framed it for me. And uh, you look at that Super Bowl 25 against the Giants. And we were all smiling and our, our hair was black or, you know, whatever. And, and you look at that picture in Atlanta and you're looking at guys that are gray and and the wrinkles in their face they're not smiling and it's like that it was that emotional toll because what a lot of people might not realize and and I don't want any self pity we played 15 we we played 5 seasons in four yep and and that I don't care what anybody says that's a toll that yeah, that yeah. that takes a toll on you and we lost people you know we lost Jim we lost uh can't hold for a few games. I had to go into center. We lost uh, Bruce Smith. We lost Cornelius Bennett. We lost a, a group of players during that time, but fortunately enough enough uh, for us that we had the, I just think it was a special group because we had the resolve and, and mm-hmm. we, we, we leaned on each other and we just said, you know, by God, you know, I'm he's hurt. We got to get past it. You know, we, we, you know, our goal is home field advantage. And and that was our main goal because we knew if we had home field advantage, then nothing could stop us. So, again, what happened in Cincinnati is far greater than what I just explained, but yeah. it kind of gives you an idea of the emotional uh, the emotional uh, roller
1: coaster ride that we went on. Mm -hmm. definitely and it's one of the you mentioned it and it's one of the questions i wanted to ask you coming into this because a couple of the guys i think said it after um after the game on sunday and i wanted to ask you any instances matt milano said after the game he's like the guys just didn't have it and i muttered to myself Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the first quarter you guys said you woke up i woke up with like last couple playoff games i woke up like excited energy i woke (laughs) up same thing as you guys kind of just like I don't know, like, just, like, not, like, was excited, but just there was something else, and then just could tell, like, in that first, second drive, whatever, just, like, man, just doesn't look like it. And I wonder, like, John, like, how is that just – is that a thing going into some of these games, or did you can you realize it within, like, a couple – first, second drive when you're up against a team where, you know, they – I think it's even talent level across – probably across the board, when you know that they're just – like, it looked like the Bills were on their heels – from yeah, the first, uh, defense and offense from the first snap. Like, can you tell in some of those games, especially big games against in, in big games, whether that be playoffs, regular season, whatever, can you just tell when your guys are just like reeling right away?
2: Well, don't let, don't let me forget this. I'll tell you why they were on their heels in a minute. But yes, okay. I can do that. Uh, the 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 Houston Oilers game, you know, yeah. we came out now again. It, again, this is kind of hard because. What the Bills went through against Cincinnati, you know, they played an emotionally high game for New England. They played a half of an emotionally high game against Miami. And then I just kind of looked at them and I thought, you know what? Those guys have hit a wall. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think in the back of their mind, they were thinking they had other things on their mind, other things that were, and I don't want to make light of it. I, I know I feel like I'm walking the fence, but they just had other stuff that was more important on their mind and, -hmm. and, 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 and and they couldn't help, you know, Mm -hmm. and I understood that we came out against Houston. We knew what was on the line Mm -hmm. and we knew that we were better than Houston, but every mistake you can make, we didn't have Jim, but that didn't, we did that having Frank Reich's not a step down really back then Mm -hmm. because he was so smart, you know, Mm -hmm. he might not have been able to do everything Jim did, but he, Frank was so smart we knew we were in good hands when we go in at halftime we're thinking my god what in the hell is going on Mm -hmm. we just all look at each other and i'm not gonna lie to you some of us were kind of packing our duffel bags you know because we're like (laughs) we're you know we're getting ready to get blown out of this building yeah and then marv just came in and said what do you got to lose you know what what's what 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 is there to lose and you could kind of tell walking down that tunnel it kind of clicked and then you get that first score you get that second score uh Houston kind of uh uh kicks themselves in the hill and, and gives us another one and and then you build it up into the greatest you know comeback. And I call it today, it might not be the greatest comeback of all time, but it is the greatest comeback playoff win of all time. So I, I still mm-hmm. get to I still get to hold on to that part. <laughs> you know, but emotionally there are games. Emotionally there are games that individuals aren't ready for. You know, I, yeah. I know a lot of times you know, I would go to sleep against the Jets, and the Jets were one of the hardest teams I ever had to play against just mm-hmm. because of who I played with. And, uh, and it was that way for every player. And then it kind of takes you a quarter, two quarters to kind of get slapped around to say, okay, you know, we got to kick it in. And it just mm-hmm. didn't seem like the Bills did that. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. and I hate it for them because, you know, they worked so hard. Um, to get to this point, and I just I, I hated it for him, but you could just tell from the beginning that that they weren't in it. Cincinnati is a system team, and and I feel like we have our hardest games against system teams. And uh, and and you know, and I'm not a coach, but you know, that's just one man's opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. And on on the note of to begin the game, uh, we have a question here from our friends at Two Goalies One Mike. Uh, John, do you think Buffalo should have taken the ball on offense to start the game rather than defer? He went on to say in another comment, they haven't been the same team they were to start the season, whether it's due to injury or not. I would have liked to see them draw first blood and dictate the game from the jump. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, you no. know,
2: I, I don't. I really don't. I I don't really know the philosophy behind that. I I, I had heard one time in Orchard Park, you kind of do it because of the wind. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, especially in the winter wintertime, uh, I, I personally uh, would take the ball every time. I, I, I would want to show my offense that I have enough confidence in you to run the ball down the field and set and set the tone instead mm-hmm. of sitting back and saying, OK, well, we're going to get the second we're going to get the other goal or the other field position you know the second half and what if we have the ball the last possession of the second quarter and we get it the first possession of the third quarter i can't think that far down you know so i i i'm one of those guys that give me the ball at the first of the game let's set the tone of the game and then we'll we'll take care of everything else and uh, but again it's just you know they they have their reasons to do that yeah i think they do definitely... i don't know, I, didn't, I don't remember the second part sorry
0: Oh, yeah, he just kind of followed up on on his thoughts. Like he said he would have liked to see them take the ball first and, and draw first blood, or at least attempt to. And it seems like you you uh you're in agreement yeah. there. Jake, what yeah. were you gonna say?
1: No, nah, it's funny because I was thinking about that earlier today too, and just like knowing the Bengals specifically, the Bengals I knew going into that game, I remember hearing it or reading it somewhere that they love to take the ball every time too. And it just felt like such an opportunity. Mm-hmm. They already showed you their first scripted drive in the first game, and you know that they can beautifully could script the drive go right down the field, right? All right. year the Bills got killed by scripted first drives. Anyways, I, like they just struggled I, I, all year. Yeah, and I gotta so, be a fan.
2: I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I'm a huge fan of Joe Burrow's.
1: Oh, uh, oh that, yeah. How that can you be? Right?
2: That, that kid's cool. And now, again, <laughs> he's in a system. He, you know, and I feel like, and and, and again, I'm not going to question our coordinators. I'm not going, to, you know, question the play callers, but but Josh Allen taking a shotgun snap and running around for five seconds and throwing it 50 yards is not a game plan. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw that all too often during the season. I'm not saying every play, but I'm just saying I saw that too often. Yeah, and that's more than why, we'd like. Exactly. And and that's one of the reasons, you know, we had discussed earlier before the show uh, that's why I was so disappointed in the offensive line. And, and it's like I told you, I have the right to say something. I, it's not that I'm being critical of them, but I have the right that to say the, the effort wasn't there. Uh, I just didn't see any passion. I didn't see any just, you know, meanness about them. And I just thought, you know, when, when, when I – and look, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I used to get beat. And, and and that that's part of the game, and I understand it. But I never stood there and watched my guy run by me to go after Josh Allen. I, that's what
0: really bothered me because – and, you know, I, I was a huge fan of the Roger Saffold acquisition in the offseason, especially pairing him with Aaron Cromer, reuniting them from their days in the Rams just from a couple of years ago. Thought that was a absolute slam dunk of a decision by Brandon Bean and the rest of the brass out there. But – he was largely very disappointing, and it's not just him, it was, it was the offensive line as a whole. And, and I wanted, I was excited to ask you about this because it's not often we get someone who's like so in tune to just the offensive line right. on the show. Halfway through the season or so, there was some kind of stat that said like the Bills had like their top five guys, their actual like five listed starters playing at the same time together. Like bottom five in the NFL, like they were just always hurt. They never yeah. got out there together. But when they were, they were a top three offensive line. Right. So well, you
2: could tell. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so like is if you can choose between consistency in the guys on the offensive line or talent, is there is there a debate to be had there?
2: explain that. If I understand you right, explain it a little bit better. I mean, are you saying that have, have your five best or, or
0: what? Or just like, or just like having the same five to six throughout the entire season, because it seems like the bills were just dealing with so many offensive line injuries. I don't want to make excuses for them, but it would have been hard for that group to really get in a groove at any point this season. So,
2: so you're right. So ideally, you know, you've got eight linemen that, that, that dress, um, ideally and it doesn't because i went through the same thing back when i played ideally you want to have five and and jim kelly fortunately enough you know went in the 90 season and said look i want john at guard and then that kind of solidified our offensive line and uh but somebody gets hurt you've got another guy come in and what happens is and i'm not saying it, it happens with our with our our team but you know Number six, seven, and eight don't get the reps that one through five get. Of course. But if you, you have the ability to do the same film study, and you have the ability to do the same individual drills, and you have the ability to vision everything if as a backup, like I had to do for three years, I, as a backup, I had to envision that was me in there. And then you hope like hell, when you get in there, you can it all clicks and, and whoever gets hurt, the next guy that comes in, it, it it stays together. I will say this about our offensive line, though, when I played, is that we had great communication. Kent Hold did a great job communicating from the center out. And then, for example, me and, and Howard Ballard had great communication, and Richard and Will Wolford had great uh, communication. When you bring in those six, seven, and eight guys, sometimes you lose that communication – you know, somewhere down the line, and mistakes are going to be made. It's not so much physical as it is the communication part. That's my opinion. And and mm-hmm. you know, I remember playing for Houston, and I'd go in with Dean Steincooler at right tackle and Bruce Matthews at center. And here I am. You know, you got an Outland Trophy winner, and you've got you know a future <laughs> Hall of Famer. and Then you've got me. I am like boys. <laughs> I have no idea what I am doing. And they're like, you just do what we tell you. They tell me what to do, and I was great. You know, I say I was great, but I was I was good to go. I I did what they told me to do. Uh, <laughs> but as you get a little bit older, you know, it doesn't work that way as much. I don't know if it was a lack of communication. I don't know what kind of schemes they had. I, I was actually trying to find out what type of scheme they were running because we had no running game, mm-hmm. uh, so to
1: speak. And uh and it's look been that guys, way for years too. Whatever it whatever it's been, it's been that way for years.
2: I don't care what you say. If you can't run the ball, you're not gonna win. I, I don't care what you say. You've got to be up there in the 30, 20, 26 to 32 carries for 120 to 150 yards. And then then let Josh Allen make his plays, you know. And by the way, Josh Allen doesn't need to have 18 of those 26 carries, you know, uh, because that's the quickest way to get rid of your star quarterback. So I just don't know. I don't know. I I I honestly think if they go back and look, they they need. I think I think they have seven or eight choice. They might have nine choices. I can't remember. But out of those choices, three of them need to be offensive linemen as in in the top five. That that's just my that's just my opinion. three in the
0: top five. Interesting. Three in the okay. top. I no, top, I agree with that. Rounds, top yeah, five rounds. Yeah. No, I think I would agree with it too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah.
2: Because you've got to get. You've got to get some beef in there. You get oh Spencer Brown, bless his heart. You know, he's six ten. That's great. But what is he? 270? Or, mm-hmm. you know, two I mean, he looks like a bean pole out there. And yeah. it's <laughs> nothing against him. It's just that, you know, it's just it's just not working. And and I and I hate to say that. And I, you know, I might pay for it when I come back up there in the summer, but that's just you know
1: we, we all have our opinions correct <laughs> for okay. sure
0: of course <laughs> so hey, i think
1: i think a lot of those guys would agree that they wish they had better seasons too like i don't think that that's going to oh, be sure. and that's the mm-hmm. thing too like if they're looking at it too i think there's a lot of a lot of plays that were left on the field and a lot of times oh. Allen hits it's like you said most valuable asset. I think someone tweeted the other day. Most valuable asset, maybe in Western New York, like in the whole economy, mm-hmm. the community, everything. Like they, we need yep. to invest everything to make sure that he's okay. Not and maybe. don't leave any stone unturned. And maybe yeah, we no. draft somebody, and it makes Spencer Brown turns him into a monster, and he's like, yeah, I'm maybe not that guy take my spot. Yeah. Like those no. types of things could happen too.
2: No, and you're exactly right. And and, and on that point, I was asked the other night. Uh, you know, you got to remember, I was an 11th round draft choice. I go to Houston and I'm on the field with four number ones, and I'm eleventh round, and so uh, for two years. And then I come to Buffalo, and you've got Kent Hull, you got Jim Richard, you got Joe Devlin, you got Howard Ballard, which was art my age, and then you got Will Wolford, arguably one of the best top three linemen lines in the league, top four lines in the league, and trying to make that. And uh, so you the the communication, you know, the pressure is so big to to for the communication part of it is that, you know, it was hard because getting back to my original thought about being 11th rounder is that I I walked out of that stadium every night and got in my car and was like, I made it another day because I could be cut at any time because the the bills don't have that much invested in me. You know, Mm -hmm. they've got, I'm 11th round pick, I'm minimal salary, you know, and, and sometimes I forget these guys that come in there who are higher round draft picks are like, Well, I had a bad game. We'll we'll get it fixed, you know, next week. Well, my philosophy was well, I had a crappy practice. I better get it fixed tomorrow, or I'm not gonna be here. And so I'm just wondering about some of them's mentality. And and again, I'm not a psychologist, but I I can just see things. I'm not an expert, but I can just see things on the field to where it's Mm -hmm. almost one of those I don't give a shit. I don't, you know, excuse my language, sorry. Uh, I, I, you know, we'll just move on to the next play. And mm-hmm. I realize you have to do that. But it, it just looks so flippant that I, I again, that goes back to me getting and I don't too, get I get too, I get too invested into it. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what, I just need to be a fan and enjoy it. <laughs> Hey, no, yeah, but right. no,
1: listen, you say that, but most fans are not enjoying it. Even when it's going well, they're still getting <laughs> well, angry when things are going well. So you're doing well with the mindset there. You're trying to enjoy it. That's better than uh, most of them. Exactly. Well,
2: <laughs> you know, I, that, some of my most fun times was running out of that tunnel with um, with the fans there. And I'm just like, you know, I'd, I'd play in Houston and there might be 30,000 people there. Well, you know, we had 70,000 at preseason games. And um, <laughs> I was like, holy crap, what have I walked into? But, um, you know, but it was just one of those to where this six years experience was phenomenal. Even in even the 94 season when we went 500, you know, uh, it, it was still phenomenal. But, you know, we were just so tired, you know, in 94 mm-hmm. is that we, mm-hmm. it was like we were shot. And uh, yeah, you know, obviously they had to make changes. It's a business, you know, as much as you hate to say that, but uh the fan experience up there was just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Unlike oh, yeah. anywhere unlike anywhere that I've ever played. I, I've never been I've never been, you know, I'll give you one example. We beat Denver in ninety one or ninety two. I forget it was a night game. I think we scored like twenty one or 19 points or something in uh, a minute, 19, something like that. Oh, I mean, wow. I'm on sideline and I, I think Steve Tasker blocked a punt. And I think uh, Nate Odom's, I think got a pickoff, And then the next play or two, we scored a long touchdown. I think we scored like 21 points in less than a minute and a half. And I'm on the sideline and I feel like I was levitating because it was so <laughs> loud. you actually were shaking. It was so loud. Yeah and um and it's just phenomenal you know i remember being there for the jets game when it snowed for like 30 days in a row and the fans were snowing their shoveling their seats out we still had 70,000 people at that stadium you know and the, i mean they're die hard great fans that that I, I you know my my big thing to the players that come in now is that if you embrace in buffalo they will embrace you yeah. and and i've always said that from the very first game that i stepped on the preseason game, I told a reporter that he said, why would you come here? I said, because I played here at Houston. Y'all beat us on January 1st, <laughs> your first playoff win in like 20-something years. And I said, I wanted to go to a, a place to where that that the fans would embrace you. But in order for that to happen, you had to embrace the fans. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that that That's happened. Awesome for me for those six years. And, and I've made some lifelong friends up there that I enjoy getting to see. They've been to my house down here in Atlanta, and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, that time, uh, th- those years that were there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I can say I've been to many different stadiums, and there's the only one stadium I've ever been in that has been louder than the Ralph. And, of course, it's a dome. It's an indoor stadium, but it was that Houston playoff game. I have never heard anything louder than that after. And you can give credit to Bills fans activity. for that. too. So. Oh, you can give credit to Bills. Yeah, yeah no, it was loud. Oh, you're talking Houston.
2: about you're talking. I'm sorry, you're talking about the Houston Texans. You're
0: talking about the Texans playoffs, 2020. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. 2020. Yeah, yeah, okay, 2020. Um, but you you brought up that Denver uh, game, and so I was on I was on a website, Pro Football Reference, so I thought I would go back and see. Yeah, you guys went into the fourth quarter down 21 to nine and it doesn't give timestamps stamps for the play-by-play but the next three scores are a cornelius bennett 80 yard blocked field goal return for a touchdown a <laughs> leonard smith 39 yard pick six and kenneth davis punching one in from the two-yard line okay. and that was to make you guys go up 29 to 21 20 oh. unanswered points to start right, the fourth right. quarter i knew i Unbelievable. i, I, I want to say it was
2: like a minute and 19 seconds and then the next week or the week before we beat the the, the raiders and mm-hmm. i thought no, i think the raiders was the one that that steve tasker had a block punt and then i don't know why nate odoms keeps coming up in my mind and stuff but then we we <laughs> came in and we were down and i, I want to say we were down you got to forgive me i'm losing my mind but you were we, down twenty four to
0: fourteen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. And then, and then you won thirty eight to twenty four.
2: Yeah. So, so it's phenomenal, and the, and the fans were, you know, obviously a huge part of that because you know wow. when they when they stepped it up, you literally couldn't hear anybody, and uh, and how you know how uh, how the uh, the other team you know communicated was. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, they didn't because you know. Bruce Smith, Cornelius. I mean, well, imagine having Bruce Smith on one side, Cornelius, and then you got Daryl Talley You got to worry about. It. Oh, by I the way, Shane's it. Shane's in the middle, and then you got Phil Hanson's over here, and then you've got Nathan and Leonard Smith. And you're like thinking to myself, "What, what are these guys looking at?" So, and I'm not <laughs> tooting your horn, but th- 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 those those were some great defenses. We didn't do everything we achieved or wanted to achieve, but those were some great defenses back then. Oh yeah. You know, it's a lot oh, of fun. I, I tell you what, it's a lot of great memories. I go back on YouTube when I'm on the treadmill, and I'll watch the games, and I'll just basically I'll watch the defense, just because yeah. you never get to, you never get to watch them because you know mm-hmm. you're over trying to get oxygen and stuff on the sideline. Yeah. But <laughs> but to watch the way they played in some of those big games was absolutely phenomenal.
1: I'm sure it's a treat to get to go back and watch just from like that outside perspective too, like just like watch it for on tv like you were just living in that moment and then to just see how everybody else was watching it too it's yeah no like a little surreal but also just like this is crazy because i never experienced I'm, it like this and
2: i and i go back wondering how i made it six years because we're always our hardest <laughs> critic and i was like thinking oh my god i that 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 right guard sucks <laughs> and, uh uh, but you know you come out and make a good block and it would all be good again but no it's a lot of fun and especially when i get to go up for alumni weekend and mm-hmm. get to kind of experience the tailgate outside before we go into the stadium and uh, yeah there's some autograph signings and stuff and it's just nice watching them on the field and uh and you you kind of flash back and and you know imagine yourself running down the the tunnel or uh And then running out on the field, and you know, I was my my son over Thanksgiving asked me if I was ever nervous, and I said, just I was nervous up until the first play, and then after the first play, it all settled down and it became real. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, that hour leading up to that kind of uh, is kind of uh, physically Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was more physically emotion or draining than it was emotionally draining
0: yeah i mean i can't i can't i get i used to like you know do my little like my little pat coletta on the ice like just doing like this during like when i was playing soccer in high <laughs> school i can't yeah. imagine you know And there were maybe 50 people in the stands and most of them were parents and children so yeah it's <laughs> very still. very different very if you don't if you don't mean, get
2: that, but you if you don't get butterflies you're there's something wrong with you exactly, you know we, yeah. we had to listen That's to true. jim kelly throw up uh just about every game. So he uh, <laughs> threw up when, before every game. When, well, just about every game. We knew when he, we, we, we knew when we heard someone in the bathroom throwing up that we were ready to play. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but he, uh, but Jim always came to play and, you know, what a great teammate and what a great quarterback. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I know I keep saying it, but, you know, that, that period that I was there from 89 to 94. Um, was just a special time, and it's a lot of great memories. And for you know, there are still people out there. Is like, well, you didn't win a Super Bowl. And my my thought to them was, you know what, we didn't win one. I said, but I think we have eight Hall of Fame guys or nine Hall of Fame <laughs> guys during that era that's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I said, so you can't tell me that we weren't special, and uh, no. and we were special. And I think the fans embraced it. I know we broke their hearts and you know, I've got my, I've told them, I said, you know, you broke my heart and I'm like, well, how do you think I feel?
1: Yeah. And then well, yeah, I, right.
2: you right. cost me a thousand dollars. And I'm like, well, how much money do you think I lost? <laughs> yeah. Right. <You laughs> know? right. And, but, but I understand their pain. I, I understand. We used to, we lived up in uh, Williamsville my first year Okay. and uh, to see the passion from these fans, especially the small fans is that we had like three different kids we would let mow our yard uh, because they used that money to buy season tickets, and I was just oh, wow. like, and so we just like, yeah, go. I mean, we had the nicest lawn because it was mowed about every five or six days, and uh, <laughs> but that was just the passion of those kids and, and the fans and stuff. Is uh, you know, I, I remember being on the turf stretching, and I would just be looking up at the fans, and you'd see just how how in tune they were to it. And this is 30. 30 plus years ago, you know, and I can't imagine what it's like today with Bill's Mafia, you know, with, well,
1: uh, with yeah. the insanity of that. <laughs> I did, uh, I will say that whatever they, there's whatever pain and everything else that came out of it. I'm obviously uh, now I would say third generation Bill's fan. My grandma had season tickets. Okay. Um, my dad's lifelong Bill's fan. Um, and so like that, like, and now I think he gets more angry at them nowadays than he ever got at you guys, at least from what I've heard, maybe that it could be looking at him (laughs) with rose colored glasses, you know, all these years later. Um, but I did want to ask you something. You brought up a lot of good things about the good old days. And I think that I have an interesting question for myself and for my co-host here for two places, um, that I know in Western New York that you've, you've been to a lot of years in your time. I'm from Dunkirk, New York in Western New York. So I would like to hear uh, a story if you've got any story that you're a lot that you feel comfortable telling about Fredonia State and Fredonia New York because um, (laughs) my my dad like that's that's really where it started though like my dad was at every practice like every single every single practice four years straight however many years they were there longer than that but for your time there was probably there every day didn't even realize it but that's kind of where it breeded but that's my hometown I would love to hear a story and then um, wake here from Angola Sunset Bay I know that I again don't mm-hmm. have to give me anything crazy John <laughs> but I know that I know what you guys were up to in both these places so I'd love to hear just probably great team bonding <laughs> I'm sure like just being together Our, in those areas yes, like they talk team about bonding being Saint, the emphasis, but they talk the emphasis. about about Saint John Fisher being in the dorms and everything and how unique it is I know it was more prevalent back then but uh, right. just an interesting time. I'll I'll do the second one first. I, I don't think I've been. To,
2: I don't think I went to Sunset. Is it Sunset okay. Day? Yes. I think I went maybe one time. To be honest with you, I don't. Think You're a good I, man. I, I didn't say yeah. I didn't go. I didn't say I didn't go out. I just said I don't think I ever went there, but maybe one time. Gotcha. Uh, I, I heard there was a special teams player and a wide receiver that had a lot of fun out there uh, back <laughs> probably, back here in the day. But I, I, I know I, that I, I, I well, can't I can confirm leave. that. But 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 I'll tell you I'll tell you three quick stories about practice and your dad. Oh here we go. <laughs> uh, uh I, I come in I come in from Houston and Houston had an owner Bud Adams, yep, and uh and uh was a drunk. And uh uh I I go up I'm in, I'm on the practice field and Ralph Wilson's standing over there and he's like he's like Davis, he said get over here. I'm like I knew he was, and I'm like, "Yes, sir." And I went over, and he said, "I need to. I need a story about Bud." <laughs> I said, "Okay." So I'm standing there, and I said, "Well, I said we won a game, and, and and at the end of the day, it's really not that funny, but at the end of the game, we're all in there celebrating, and my number was 73, and 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 Mike Munchak's number was 63, and there were a couple of guys in between us." And, of course, Mike Munchak's Hall of Fame. You know, he was Hall of Fame even while he was playing. And Bud comes in. He's got a scotch glass. And I said, he came up to me and sloshing his scotch all over me and saying, Munchak, I just want to say this is the greatest game I've ever seen you play. And I looked at Bud and I said, well, Mr. Adams, I appreciate that. I said, but Munchak's right down there. And Ralph and Bud's like, oh, 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 you know, and got all startled and went down there. And I told Ralph <laughs> that and I thought he was going to fall over. Randers <laughs> starts running over. He's like, what the? What, what have you done to Mr. Wilson and stuff? And I said, he just asked me for a story about Bud Adams. I didn't do anything. And that's when Ralph and I kind of hit it off. You know, we kind of clicked from there and we would talk before every game and stuff. Um, and the other one was, you know, back, you can ask your dad about this, but back in the, back in the day, you know, the offense and defensive line would do pass rushing drills. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would always go to a little section near the fence, but there happened to be, um, happened to be, uh, benches there. You know, what, mm-hmm. what do they call those? You know, the stair, but what do you call them? The benches that the fans sit the on the risers or like, the, the middle yeah, ones? Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yep. And, and I'm like, what, what's going on here? And we'd get down there, and then all of a sudden there'd be a 1,000. I don't know. I, to me, it was like 10,000. But, you know, you don't have fans used to come. But I would be like standing down there. Well, you got to remember, I'm coming over from Houston, and I've got to make the team. Now, they brought me over as a guard and a center. But i got to make the team. Well, Will Wolford was out. And uh, so uh, the coach came up to him, and he said, who wants to play left tackle? And I'm like, well, hell. Well, I'll do it, you know, because again, <laughs> I gotta make the team. Well, we had been in camp long enough to where my wife had just gotten to the point to where she had just actually she from the way to, from Georgia, she had just stopped at training camp. Uh that first day that we did the, we did this. And I go out to left tackle and I go up against Bruce Smith and the first <laughs> pass, the first pass protection, whoo. And I'm like, okay.
0: I didn't really
2: well, <laughs> Let's do this again. So we come back in there. It's like, whew, you know, he goes right inside them. Don't even lay a hand on him. And that happened three or four times. Well, by then the the fans were like, Davis, get your ass back to Houston. This is the. I mean, they just un, <coughs> they just unloaded on me. And I was fine. I mean, I, I knew that I'd never played left tackle. But just, yeah. You're like, I'm a
1: guard. What are you offering? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, let me yeah.
2: T- yeah. So let me finish this and I'll tell you something else. So <laughs> I do that and and they're just ripping me in the fans. Well, my wife is just like, like, nobody knew obviously who she was. <laughs> and we go, we go after practice and we go out and have a little bite to eat. And she's like, she's like, Are you all right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, suck, you can't even block Bruce Smith. <laughs> like you, you you are kidding right. You know you know who this is, don't you? It's probably the greatest defensive lineman in the NFL. Well, I don't care. You should at least be able to block him. So, I'll never forget that because the fans just whipped into me. But but and Bruce will tell you this today, I played some center my last 2 years there and uh when it get that's when they were moving Bruce around. Um, and they put, they put Bruce on me uh, at center and he never got by me there we and go. because I could get my hands on him. And Bruce was pissed. <laughs> He's like, no, I want to go again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, I want to go again. I'm like, okay. And I do the same thing and he'd get so mad. So I, I wasn't able to stop him that. And my last story is I kid you not. And then if y'all want to cut me off, that's great. My last story is you know, I told you earlier about 30,000 fans in Houston uh, for a game. And, and I, told, I told my wife, Hester, for the first preseason game, we were playing the Saints. And, uh, and I said, Hester, we got parking passes close to the stadium, and I gave it to her because I rode in with someone else. I said, Hester, I said, I heard they have a pretty big crowd. I said, so you might want to get there early so you get a good parking place. She's like, no worries. Well, what does she do? <laughs> she arrives five minutes before the game um and parks way over there past the bubble you know the old bubble that we had yeah. <laughs> come out she's like yeah she said i didn't i didn't make it as early as i hoped to. we had to park way over there and i'm like okay so we're walking and i get up to, to the we'll get on the road and um are the one of the side roads by the bubble into the stadium and i hear somebody call out say he's like hey davis davis and i look over and it's this big group with with two huge tents sitting there, he said, "Come on over here. We want to welcome you and feed you and give you a couple of beers and stuff." And I was like, "Like okay, you know, that's cool with me. It keeps me from having to walk another two hundred yards." <laughs> it was a group, and I and, and and I'm so sorry. I got I got messaged from a guy in Fredonia and Dunkirk. It was a group from Fredonia and Dunkirk okay. who who I met with. And they took me in.
1: That's awesome. And I tell you, that
2: I get chills right now because Fran was one of the names, and I swear I can't remember some of the other names. Uh, but for six years, at every home game that was, a, we were able to, we stopped by and had some food and beers with them. They had food. Uh, that's and beer. awesome. Oh wow. And the uh, the last game, we kind of knew. Uh, we kind of knew that I probably wouldn't be back. And Olivia was one, two, three, Olivia was just about to turn four. And uh, as she came to the, uh, to the game with her, you know, with Hester mom and, and uh, we, I went out there, uh, we lost the game, I believe, knocked us out of the playoffs and, I went out there and we had a beer and some brats and just kind of hugged each other because the next game was an away game. And we just kind of hugged and said goodbye, that see you next year. And about three weeks later, I got a picture. I wish I had it with me. It's downstairs, I believe. But we got a picture. And you know how pretty those sunsets are from, oh, from yeah. Rich Stadium as you're looking over the oh, yeah. far end zone, you know, mm-hmm. over Erie Lake or not Erie mm-hmm. Lake, but, you know, that area that I'm talking about, Lake Erie yep. Um, and we got a picture in the mail of me and Hester holding Julia or Olivia and are uh, holding their hands, walking towards that sunlight away from them. And that was just that to me was classic Buffalo. And uh, and I saw those guys for six years, and, uh, and and I just knew that this was a you know this was a special place. And uh, to to get to spend, they just called me over, said get over here, we will give you a beer and abroad and I just sat there we talked to them for about an hour and they're like Mm -hmm. get out of here go have dinner with your wife and stuff and you know that's just the type of people they were they just weren't they weren't pushy they all gave me a hug and I came out uh season uh the the year I start started starting in 90 and uh looked up you come down the tunnel and it's the corner end zone you know to your left and I look up and there's about 15 of them wearing my jersey and I'm like (laughs) Holy crap! How how <laughs> how special is that? And That's uh, awesome. And that you, you and, and those are the memories. You know, I'm I'm 57, yeah. and and I'm thankfully I'm I'm very well mentally. But you think about those times, and it's just it, it's just what makes Buffalo so special.
0: Well, it's great to hear you share all those memories. It's great to hear uh, just all of it. It's not a shock that that it seems that Buffalo and the fandom hasn't really changed since the 90s. Um, but it's it's always awesome to hear how this mentality, this you know the culture within this city has yeah. transcended generations and decades and right. and having people like you to tell those stories on here um, it's really awesome so well um, and, and,
2: yeah. I, and, and and I've always said sorry to interrupt, but I've always said no, if please. you if you embrace Buffalo, they'll embrace you And I think that's the biggest I, I think that's the biggest difference is that, uh they're they're very forgiving uh but they're very supportive they're very they can be very hard but they love you and and if you if you go out there and you play a hundred percent they're always going to be behind you and when i go up there and i see my friends outside of football they they're like oh my god you're part of that offensive line of the 90s you know yeah i remember you you were that last piece of the puzzle that we put together and uh, and that means a whole lot, you know, that 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 that's a lot of good memories. Awesome.
0: Yeah, really awesome. Well, John, this is this is unfortunately where our time together reaches the end of its road tonight. So I wanna thank you for joining us. Would love to catch up with you again, maybe sometime yeah, in the off season anytime. when we're gearing sure. up for, for preseason, maybe get your thoughts on on what this new Bills offensive line could look like in the twenty twenty-three, twenty-four season. Uh, well, now, maybe, maybe now you're you trying to prospects or something. I don't
2: know. Now you're trying to give me homework, but, uh, but <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I,
2: I would love to. This has been great. I appreciate it. I uh, I uh, I'd love to reconnect. I haven't been up since uh, the COVID started, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to getting back up this summer and fall. But uh, but I appreciate y'all having me on. Two great guys, and uh, uh, send me the link so I can put it up on my webpage and uh, and I look forward to see, uh, hearing from you uh, later.
0: Absolutely. Well, John, if you ever make Thank it you. back up here, wings on me. All right. All right and, you, we'll, hey. we'll Marville, and I'll make sure Micah comes into town for it. So, yeah. Uh, and if you're you here know, in Chicago,
1: we say, well, we'll find the, the wings. <laughs> I haven't found good wings yet, but we'll Not find right. something, good. We'll find <laughs> something that, good. That sounds good. I'll, I'll hold you to it. <laughs> Well, thank you again,
0: John. Thank you, Picasso's Pizza. Thank you, Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case, whether it's wine, spirits, seltzers, Loganberry seltzers, they got those. So stock up at Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. No, the bills aren't, unfortunately, contending for the Super Bowl, but Super Bowl parties, no one's going to get you ready for that quite like Outlet Liquor and our friends at Picasso's. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight, listening on YouTube, Twitter, Spotify, Apple, wherever you do. Thank you. We appreciate it. For myself. John Davis, Jake Micah, and everyone here at Trainwreck Sports, good night now.
2: Good night. Thank you, guys.